Good morning. Tom wanted me to also remind you that uh, the Cary Alliance Church also sent uh, Danny and Heidi um, to the Congo um, a few, was that three years ago? 2020, so um, before COVID, and so um, they were part, and they were got to be a blessing and uh, see the ministry as well, so that's a, that's a wonderful thing. Um, well, welcome to Advent. Would you pray with me as we begin going into our sermon series for Advent? Lord, we, we pause. We reflect. We celebrate Advent as the, the means coming. We celebrate your coming, your first coming, but we also anticipate and we, we look forward to your second coming. And so as we move into our time of Advent, may you be glorified. God, guide me as I, I speak these words and I pray that you would stir in our hearts in Jesus' name, amen. Well, love the, the time of Advent. Um, I have had more comments on my pants than I have in several years of anything, but uh, these are my Advent pants, and I can only wear them one time a year, so I'm making the best of it. And since we are beginning our Advent preaching series, I thought, how fitting, and I think Tom wanted me to wear them anyway, right, Tom? I knew it. <laughs> Um, but I, I, like you, I, I, I'm actually a little excited for the rain today as it gets cooler. It just helps with uh, finally embracing, you know, not Advent as far as the, the spiritual dimension, but um, Christmas time in the sense of we get into the season and uh, Christmas music. And I don't know how many of you like watching Christmas uh, movies. Um, it's just funny to me. We watch the same movies every year. And they never get old. Um, uh, but as why, and, and for example, one movie um, that I, I always tell myself, at least the last five years, I've always said, you know what, I'm not going to watch it this year. I've seen it too many times, it gets old. Um, Home Alone, but then every year it's like, ah, oh, we got to. Like, we just have to watch it. But um, do you realize that it's 33 years old, that movie? Which is crazy. So I, I remember. Um, watching it early on, I don't know if I watched it that first year out, but something changes when you watch a movie the second, third, fourth, tenth, thirtieth time. Um, because if I, and I don't remember accurately, but I think I was probably scared for Kevin. Like, oh no. The wet band, they're going to get him. Like, What's going to happen? Like, you don't know what's going to happen, but now that I've seen it 27 times or however many times, I'm not afraid anymore. <laughs> I'm not afraid anymore. I know what's going to happen. Sorry to ruin it, but Kevin tricks them and he gets away safe and, and the house is a little damaged, but uh, the house doesn't burn down. But I only know that because I've seen the ending, Right? And so I'm not afraid anymore when I watch these, these times where I think he's going to finally get Kevin. And then finally Marv comes in and puts his hand on a cactus or, you know, whatever the case may be, and um, Kevin continues to get away. But isn't that true in when we read the Old Testament, a book like Jonah? We read it in, through the lens 
of knowing the gospel, knowing who Jesus is, who, who, who Jesus, he came to, to save, to die, we read it with that lens. And, and, and we read the whole Old Testament knowing that Jesus has come. So it changes the, the viewpoint of how we not only watch a movie, but how we read the Old Testament in a whole new light than the people living in the Old Testament. One author said this, Jonah is sort of like a poorly written prequel to a movie franchise that we love with all of our hearts. Like the prequel, Jonah has some of the same storylines, but he isn't the main storyline. He has some of the qualities, but he's missing something. He is a prophet, but he is not the prophet. He is a missionary, but he is not the missionary. Jonah leaves us wanting more. And the person we want more is Jesus. It all points to Jesus. And so uh, I'm, I'm preaching a sermon. I've never preached a sermon like this before in the way we're going to do it. Um, I'll, I'll tell you a little bit more about that in, in a minute. But uh, looking at Jesus in the light of Jonah. Because Jesus referenced Jonah, if you remember in, in Matthew 12, he talked about the sign of Jonah. Um, so I'm going to read verses 38 to 42 in Matthew 12. It says, Then some of the Pharisees and teachers of the law said to him, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. He answered, A wicked and adulterous generation asks for a sign, but none will be giving given it except for the sign of the prophet Jonah. Jesus believed that Jonah actually happened. Jonah was a historical person. It wasn't just allegory. This is a, 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 an event that happened. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. Wow. For they, re they repented. The Ninevites repented at the preaching of Jonah, and now something greater than Jonah is here. Jesus said, I am greater than Jonah. It's like reading through the book of Hebrews. Jesus is greater than the angels. Jesus is greater than Moses. Jesus here is saying, I am greater than Jonah. The, the, the scribes and Pharisees, they're asking for a sign. And, and Jesus says, I, I'm... I'm not going to give you any more sign than the, there was a sign already given, the sign of Jonah. And he says there's three elements in that sign. Basically, both Jonah and Jesus will be inside something for three days. Jonah the fish, Jesus, I'll be inside the earth. And, and he says the Ninevites, will, they repented, but this generation will not repent. And then he makes that declaration, and I am greater than Jonah. So as I was preparing for this, and uh, re there's, there's actually a lot of commentaries and articles and, and books written about Jesus in Jonah. 
I didn't realize that, but there's a lot out there. So what I did is I, I compiled, um, because most people who write about this compare and contrast Jesus and Jonah. And I thought, it, I, I find it fascinating. And I knew you would all agree. <laughs> um, so what I did is I can, compiled the list and uh, kind of combined, because some people said similar things and uh, added a few things, and some of them I just kind of kept as they were because they were worded pretty well. But I just want to go through the four chapters briefly and, and, and look at the comparing and contrasting of Jonah and Jesus. Um, but in order to do that, if you're, maybe you haven't read Jonah for, for a while, um, four chapters. The first chapter begins with Jonah's a prophet. God gives him a, a commissioning or a calling to go and preach to the Ninevites. And of course, Jonah refuses to go. I don't want to preach to them. They're an evil people. I don't, I'm not going to go. So he goes the exact opposite way towards Tarshish because he doesn't want to go preach to the Ninevites. And in chapter one, we also see, so he boards a ship with the sailors, and as they're sailing, God sends a storm. And it's a fierce storm, and they're fearing for their lives. Started out with pagan sailors crying out to their gods, which it turned in, all of a sudden they cry out to the god of Jonah. But they're crying out to their gods, and the lot falls on Jonah because they're like, why is this happening? Who? We need to blame it on someone. And so Jonah says, will you throw me over? The sea will calm. And so they, at the end of chapter one, they throw Jonah overboard and the sea becomes calm. But it says that God sent a huge fish to swallow Jonah, to, to save Jonah. Jesus is greater than Jonah a word from God came to Jonah, but Jesus came as the word of God. Jonah ran from the Lord's presence, but Jesus came to bring the Lord's presence. Jonah was a sinner who ran from God. Jesus is the sinner who runs. Or Jesus, Jesus is not a sinner. Gosh. Strike me down now. Jesus is a savior who runs after sinners. Jonah came as a Hebrew sinner. Jesus came as a Hebrew savior. Jonah slept in a stormy boat because he was scared and overwhelmed. Jesus slept in a stormy boat because he was at peace. Jonah could not command the storm to calm. Jesus commanded the storm to calm. Jonah was thrown into the sea to appease the wrath of God. Jesus was thrown into the ground to appease the wrath of God. The pagans sought to save Jonah's life. The pagans sought to end Jesus's life. Because of Jonah, some were saved from one nation. Because of Jesus, multitudes are saved from every nation. Jesus is greater than Jonah. Jesus lived a life we couldn't live. Jesus died a death we couldn't die. And Jesus gives the great gift that we, we cannot earn. That's chapter one. 
Chapter 2, he's thrown into the fish and God rescues him through this fish and he's there for three days and he finally comes to this realization about his sinfulness but also about God's greatness. And so the, the chapter 2 is really the great prayer from inside the belly of the fish where Jonah is crying out to God. And we, we get to verse 10 of chapter 2, salvation belongs to our God. Jesus, or excuse me, Jonah cried out to the Lord, and Jesus is that Lord. Jonah spent three days and three nights in the belly of the fish for his own sin. Jesus spent three days and three nights in the belly of the earth for our sin. Jonah ran from the will of God. Jonah ran from the will of God. Jesus remained in the will of God. Jonah met with God unwillingly, but Jesus met with God continually. Jonah wrestled with God in the fish. Jesus wrestled with God in the garden. Jonah was punished for his sin. Jesus was punished for our sin. Jonah wanted his enemies punished, but Jesus came that his enemies might be saved. Jonah prayed to God the Savior, but Jesus came as God and Jonah's and our Savior. Jonah did not, God did not give up on Jonah. Jonah, God does not give up on on us. God did not condemn Jonah. God does not condemn us. Jonah gave, God gave Jonah a, a second chance. God gives us a second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth chance. Which is the beauty of when we jump to chapter 3. Is it's the second calling of Jonah. He, he's been vomited out onto dry land as, as God rescued him and gives him the same commission that he gave in chapter 1. But he's had this encounter with God, and so he goes, I want to say reluctantly goes. He's still not understanding the grace of God. Um, But he goes to, to proclaim the judgment that is coming to Nineveh. The Ninevites, they They repent. The whole city, the, the king, not only, not only the whole city, the king steps off his throne, takes off his, his, his robe and puts on sackcloth and, and, and ashes and declares that all would fast and pray and repent. And it says God relents his hand, his punishment for the people of Nineveh because they repented. So there's one nation that had revival. Now there will be revival for many nations and many generations because of Christ. Jonah traveled from Israel to Nineveh, but Jesus went from heaven to earth. Jonah went to Nineveh unwillingly, but Jesus came to earth willingly. Jonah only preached a few words for God, but Jesus came as the Word of God. 
Jonah saw a king get off his throne to repent, but Jesus is the king of kings who got off of his throne so that we might repent. Jonah gave people 40 days to repent, but Jesus has given a few thousand years for people to repent. Jonah saw one nation bow their knee to God, but Jesus is God before whom every knee from every nation will bow. We get to chapter 4, after the, this great revival in the, the city of Nineveh, you would think that uh, Jonah would be um, just blessed and happy of what God has done in the nation, but he's still angry. He's angry at God because of God's compassion on the people, and he expresses this anger towards God because he doesn't quite get it. And the book ends with Jonah still being angry at God because of God's compassion for people. He did not yet have the heart of God that God has for his people. So one last time, Jonah only cared for his nation, but Jesus cares for every nation. Jonah had a heart of anger, but Jesus has a heart of love. Jonah refused to dwell with the Ninevites. He, as soon as they, he did his job, they repented. He went as far away as he could. Jesus chooses to dwell with us sinners. Jonah wanted his enemies to be punished, but Jesus was punished for his enemies. And Jesus comes years later, and he is total different attitude than Jonah. And he doesn't come to Nineveh, but he comes to, to earth. He comes to Israel. And remember what Jesus did. Jonah is mad at the compassion that God has for people. And here Jesus is weeping out of compassion over the city. Jesus not only he, he taught about forgiveness, and when he's on the cross, he doesn't want his enemies to be destroyed, but he says, Father, forgive them. He prays for his enemies, prays forgiveness for them. Jesus is greater than Jonah. One of the, the things I love about um, chapter 1 in the book of Jonah, we get to this place where he's run from God, he's disobeying God, and he's with all these sailors. God sends this fierce storm, and they're all scared. And we see this place where Jonah says, throw me overboard and, and the, it'll, it'll calm. And um, we get to this place, and, and we'll see it in um, Jonah chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. He, Jonah says, pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land. Remember that, that terminology. The men did their best to row back to land, but they could not, for the, group, the sea grew even wilder than before. The, the first instinct of these sailors, the, the, their very first instinct was to refuse to sacrifice this 
human Jonah. They they, they thought, we don't want to sacrifice you, Jonah. We will just try harder. We'll row harder to get to safety. I just find that fascinating. And Jonah says, no, just pick me up and, and throw me into the water and it'll be calmed. It's because of me that we're in this whole situation with the storm. But they wanted to row harder. They wanted to try harder. It's almost like we, 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 you see the, the pride of us humans. No, I, I, don't, I don't want someone else paying for the situation I'm in. And so I'll just try harder. I'll work harder to get to safety. I mean, isn't that where we were in the, the Old Testament when they were waiting for a Messiah? We want a Savior. We want a Messiah. But Jesus comes, and that's not the Messiah we wanted. There's many in our day that have heard the truth of the gospel. Many have not. But the pride inside of us as humans says, no, I don't want a Savior. I don't want the sacrifice of someone else. I'll just try harder. I'm the Lord of my life. I'll, I'll save my life. It's the human condition. It, it gets to a point where it says they tried and they rode harder, but they could not. And eventually they could not, which really changes the, the whole story at that point. It's almost like they wanted to save Jonah's life, but they knew that this was the only thing they had. They tried harder, but they could not. And it's, it reminds me of the prodigal. The prodigal had this point where he came to his senses. They were at the end of it. This is the only option. And so they basically bet their life on the sacrifice of one man. Which is a beautiful foreshadowing of Jesus coming because he sacrificed not just for one crew and and one boat or one nation, but for all that would say, I can't beat God's judgment on my own. Many people try, many people would like to do it on their own, but God says, no, there's only one way. There is one name under heaven, which one must be saved. Great foreshadowing of of Jesus. I I love this author says this, these men saw their guilt in the sacrifice as they were responsible for taking Jonah's life. Yet to their amazement, they found salvation through the sacrifice. God's storm ended when Jonah was thrown overboard. We crucified the Son of God. That is our guilt in sacrifice. Yet he chose to lay down his life as a sacrifice for us. That is our salvation through the sacrifice. I just love that, that it's pointing to Jesus. It's a wonderful thing. And so, so I want to look at one more piece of this book um, and, and as most of you know, this is the only book in the Bible that ends with a question mark. Did Jonah ever fully understand God's compassion? Did he get it? 
But it ends in a question mark. So we're left wondering, I don't know. I don't know if he came to fully understand God's compassion. He does now. (laughs) But it's interesting because I I think, kind of like I said with the the home alone and, and looking through a different lens, if you're anything like me, and I know I am, I <laughs> love that joke, um, but you think, like when you read the gospel story and read about the coming Messiah, and it's like, why don't they, be- I, why don't they believe? Like, there's so much evidence, there's, there's so much pointing to Christ, there's so many um, of these um, declarations but prophecies that are, that are coming true that it could only be Jesus, and they still don't believe? Why are there so many people here in our area, here around the world, why don't they just believe? Like Christmas is the good news. Why can't they just all of a sudden believe? And, and it gets frustrating, and I, I, I understand that. That's hard. We want everyone to believe. But I'm, I'm, I'm wondering... You know, this Advent season, do you really fully believe? Do you fully believe? You know, um, the, the issue for Jonah, at least one of these issues, was bitterness. He, he couldn't get rid of his bitterness. I would rather die than see God pour out his grace and compassion on these evil people. For you, it may be something else. Um, so I want to do a little um, youth group analogy. So a couple guys, Sean, Ethan, do you want to come up here a second? Um, just a little visual. Visuals help me. I'm a little slow, so maybe it'll help you too. So what I, what I would like to do is, uh, Ethan, you stand over here. Just stand right here. Um, he will represent... Someone that's, let's just say because of Jonah was dealing with bitterness, he's a person that's dealing with bitterness. Um, Sean, good news for you. You get to represent Jesus. Um, so that's just for this. Like, what I, and, and here's what I want you to think. Like I said, for Jonah it was bitterness. For you it might be addiction. It might be gossip. It might be not fully trusting God. I worry all the time about my kids. I worry about my life. It might, it might be a medical thing. What are you dealing with? Because, oh, sorry, I almost looked at the wrong person. So someone dealing with bitterness, and, and Ethan's a Christian. He follows Christ. He, he confessed Christ. So it's not like he's dealing with bitterness, but he's not brought Jesus into his bitterness. Yes, I said yes to Jesus. Yes, I want to follow Jesus. And yes, I want to be with Jesus for eternal life, but Jesus, I'll talk to you about my bitterness. I'll talk to you about the people I'm bitter about, but never fully brings Jesus into his bitterness. So, so, because what happens with something like bitterness is, someone kind of described it like a clock. So you got this clock, you know, 12, 1, 2, and, and someone says something to you or does something hurtful, boom, that's hurtful. And the problem is, 
you get stuck at 2 o'clock. Yeah, your life is still going, but every time you hear their name, you go back to 2 o'clock. And there's this bitterness. I can't, I don't even want to hear their name. Meanwhile, they've already, they've already moved on. They're posting things on Instagram and Facebook, and you just, you just can't even see the picture because you go right back to 2 o'clock. And all of a sudden, you're, you're, you're imprisoned by bitterness because you can never move beyond it. Because, yeah, I, I have a relationship with Jesus, and, you know, as the Alliance, Jesus is our healer. But I've never brought Jesus into this realm of bitterness that he might bring healing. He knows about it. I ask him about it. I ask for forgiveness. But I've never let him come into my bitterness. So, when we face each other. Yeah, that's nice. So, because what, what happens when we bring Jesus into our brokenness, we're holding on to bitterness, we're holding on to Jesus, but Jesus says, no, fully hold on to me, because when you hold on to me, and then, I'll, look, I'll go over here, but now, um, I'm here, I've brought Jesus in, and now I look at my history, I look at my pain, I look at my hurt, and now I'm looking through the eyes of Jesus. And I'm holding fully on to Jesus, and, and I, I can't fully embrace Jesus and still hold on to my bitterness. I, I, I remember it. It's not like I'm in denial, it's still there, but I'm holding on to Jesus so much that I don't have room for him and still to hold on to bitterness. So, as we see our past and our hurts, if, if we really engulf and live out the, the compassion and love of Jesus, we can't continue to remain as bitter as we were. So what you do is you embrace, you embrace <laughs> Jesus, and as you embrace Jesus, you're full. And, and that's, I'm, I, that's just because Jonah talked about bitterness, but that, that's any ailment, any sin, any hurt that you're dealing with in your life. And every time I think of this, I, there was an old song in the 1990s. You can get with this or you can get with that. You can get with this or you can get with that. You can get with this or you can get with that. I think I'll get with this because this is where it's at. Engine, engine, number nine. Maybe remember the song? Oh, great song. Anyway, thank you guys. I guess all that to say, Jesus is greater than Jonah, but may you not look at the Ninevites, not look at how Jonah should have, not look at how the Jews should have embraced Jesus, not look at how everyone else around us, why can't they? What about you? Do you fully embrace Jesus who came to bring abundant life that we might have healing and life through him? In this Advent season, I pray that you would take the time to fully embrace who Jesus is, that he may change your heart and you may truly worship him. God, we thank you that you are a God that 
not only in the Old Testament where we see time and time again of your faithfulness, of your love for your people, but Jesus came. And that's what we celebrate this Advent season because every page of the Scripture points to you. And we have you. You've come for us. You live with us. You desire to know us more. May we worship you. May we glorify you this Christmas season. May we shine bright because of you. And may we love those around you and give compassion as you give compassion and love to us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.